take the job that you can get and, yeah. you know, make it into something that you enjoy and that while you continue to look for what else lights your spark. Welcome to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. This is our mom and daughter podcast. I'm Ingrid. I'm the daughter. I live in New York. And I'm Vicki, the mom. I live in Los Angeles. We're figuring out life from opposite coasts. Doing our best to cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe. So mom, let's talk. Hi, Mom. Hello, Ingrid. Let's talk about more career things this time, whatever your first job might look like, post-grad. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a big, ominous thing. Kind of like when you are graduating from high school, before you go off to college, a lot of times parents are like, what are you going to do this summer? Or friends are like, what are you doing this summer? Do you have a job? And even more so, when you graduate from college, people expect which is probably erroneous, but they expect mm -hmm. you to have a job, right? That's right. And sometimes I remember getting down to the graduation, end of graduation, and people are like, what are you going to do when you graduate? And the interesting thing is your dad had a job. He had a full-time job. He had a temporary job that was going to turn into a full-time job when he graduated. And everybody looked at him and was like, wow, how did you yeah. do that? Jackpot, right? You, we were envious. It's not a temp job. Well, it was a temp job. It started as a temp job, and right. and and I also didn't know what I was going to do as soon as I graduated. So I went on a three week biology trip <laughs> with my friend, Incredible. who um, was an assistant biology instructor to Baja California, and um, looked at dead whales. <laughs> what? I don't think I knew that story. That's cool. It was awesome. It was so much fun. But it's because I had nothing to do. Asked my friend, who is the director of marketing for a restaurant corporation, if I could be an intern for him. And he said yes. And it was a paid internship. So that was great. And my other friend worked at a learning center. So I said, that sounds interesting. So I applied there and I went through 100 hours of training and it was great. I started working there. So I had two two jobs. I did one and then the other and I enjoyed them both. And then, well, I didn't actually enjoy the marketing job very much. <laughs> <laughs> but then the director of marketing, after about a year, he left. And then he was like, do you want my job? And I thought, um, I don't have anything else to do. Might as well. But yeah, um, I did. I did do the you know, like what we recommend. A lot of times kids these days, I don't know, you can tell me what you think, but okay, you tell me what you think. Well, what were you, what was your assumption? I was, I I was thinking that kids these days were, were like, I want to get my dream job right out of college. All right. See, I'm glad we talked about this assumption. <laughs> the premise of our conversations, of course, are always like parent to child in each transition. Mm -hmm. And we talked about two sides of this career transition. And now here's the third one, that first job out of college. And I do think that the perception is that, and maybe Gen Z is going to be the same way. I'm not totally sure yet. I guess Gen Zers are already graduating. My generation is waiting for their dream job and is like nothing but that. Is that a myth? Well, I think that there is an argument to be made that like part of that comes from like a, a generational story we've been told. Millennials have always been pegged as like the trophy generation where like everyone gets a participation trophy and no one knows how to lose well. There's a lot of 
like the world is your oyster because you've you as a generation were brought into a lot of prosperity mm. in a way that like your parents and baby boomers before that weren't brought into prosperity. Mm. We, you, I think, are, is it Gen X? That's the first generation to be like m- far more universally educated, at least within the polls that they took. I'm sure that there's a lot of ways that that's debunked quickly when it comes to economic status and ethnicity. All that to say, I, I do think that a lot of my friends and the people my age were told, like, what do you want to be when you grew up? As in, like, oh, what is your dream job? What do you want to do? Find something that's, that you're passionate about. Right. You know, that said, the other big thing about college that millennials often talk about is the, like, just preposterous amounts of loans that are taken out in order to go to school mm. in in a way that is, you know, far more true for us than it has been in past generations. And so a lot we do really graduate by and large with a ton of debt and not a ton of job prospects where we've been told our whole lives, please go find your dream job. What that does, what I, my experience is that that made it hard for me to think about nine to five clock in and out, maybe blue collar jobs as viable options for me. Mm. When my argument for this conversation (laughs) is that it is absolutely acceptable and perhaps even something that you should do just to go work a more blue collar job for a minute, a service industry job, et cetera, while you get your your feet under you. Just as college is like unprecedented in the culture of your life, so is living outside of college. And so a lot of people move back home. That's like each person's journey. I knew that I wanted to be an actor. And so I knew that that wasn't going to come super easily. And I said, I need a way to pay my bills. And I I sort of decided that not every actor decides this, but I decided that I didn't want to live at home and try to go to acting from there. And so I jumped right into full-time Trader Joe's, which is a service industry job. And Trader Joe's is impeccable, as we know. And they (laughs) really are a great employer. They treat me well and... They're good about paying fair wages. That said, it also there I, I did have to grapple with some of this like, is this a dead end job kind of questions? I think because service jobs were presented to me culturally as a person growing up in a wealthier part of society mm-hmm. as lesser than. Who presented the it to you that way? Oh, not like a certain person. Okay. It's like a thought process. It's the fact that that's I just grew up in an affluent part of the world and mm-hmm. Yeah. Quickly, people start to be like, well, they, like I, the, the customer's always right. Like, you're in service to me. Mm. You, oh, they're not being paid very much. Like, can't believe he's still there after 10 years. Can't, you know, there's just enough of those things that I sort of had to deconstruct. And now I am so, so thankful for my time at Trader Joe's. And perhaps I'll go back to it. Who knows? The actor's life is quite a wild ride. <laughs> my godfather said once that he believes that everyone should work in the food service industry, I think, because it's his specific thing. Mm. Everyone should work in a restaurant once in their life Mm. because it gives you so much more appreciation for the people serving you all the time. I think that is absolutely true. That's stuck with me for whatever reason, and I think that's true. So my petition for people coming out of college being sat sat with all of the pressures of what are you going to do with your life and what are you going to do with your degree and do you have the right internship yet? is that you are going to learn so much about yourself and about the world if you work for something that feels like it's not a permanent job. I so wish that you had the memory that I told you 
that your godfather told you. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you were the one that probably told me it originally. I did tell you, and I requested before you went to college that you read this book, The Curmudgeon's Guide to Getting Ahead. Do you remember me telling you about that book? Oh, yeah, I never read that book. By Charles Murray. <laughs> it's a short book. It's not long at all. Maybe we'll read it for the podcast. It's called Do's and Don'ts of Right Behavior, Tough Thinking, Clear Writing, and Living a Good Life. And his... One of his very first things in his dues is do get a service job yeah. so that you know what it's like to be on both sides of the table or the counter. Yeah. So I'm sure that I told you that. But if you remember someone else telling you that, I'm so glad you listened. <laughs> well, all right. I don't mean to take the credit away from you. My my memory That's is what of I'm you all about. quoting Uncle Ken quoting it. I think both things happen. He might have said it as well. Don't you worry. I'm all about credit. I'm a mom. I have to have credit. (laughs) I am literal. My body is your credit. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I'm feeling so good. That's good to hear. And I do think that that is important. And I think that I also have quoted Julie Lithcott Hames, who came out with How to Raise an Adult. And she thinks that there's two things that everybody needs, which is love and chores and Mm. In addition to that, she would go to say, you know, take the job that you can get and, you know, make it into something that you enjoy and that while you continue to look for what else lights your spark. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that because uh, that reminds me of another thing that I was I wanted to say in this episode. I'm so glad that you reminded me of that (laughs) because I think that the other thing, the other fear for people coming out of college Mm -hmm. is the that there's only like a small percentage of people that do know what they want to do and can wait for their dream job or want to wait for their dream job. Mm -hmm. Most people kind of like you were like, Mm -hmm. all right, I got a degree now. What do I do next? Mm -hmm. And I actually had a really good time when my sister came to visit me. In Easter, she hung out with me and my two New York roommates, both of whom work at a coffee shop now and one of whom is a manager there. I was really excited that the three of us were able to sort of show Audrey my like what it's like to be a a young single person in New York, just like a working person in New York post-college because she's about to go into college. And I was hoping that we would be able to give her a like a more accurate picture of post-grad than I had Mm -hmm. because I definitely had this picture of like, and then you get the internship and then you get the job. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means, but that's what happened next. And instead, what my roommate commented to Audrey was, well, we came through a global pandemic and I didn't have a job and I knew that unemployment was going to run out. And Mm -hmm. so I applied to lots of places. And one of them was this coffee shop. And two months later, they made me head barista. And then three months after that, they made me a manager. And now I work in hospitality management. Mm. And I've learned to really love it. And who knows what will happen next in my life. But like, I kind of like this business. And maybe I'll keep moving up the ranks. Like there's a person in in the higher office that I'm kind of interested in that job. And so I think this is my career now. Oh, wow. And I was just like a really helpful picture, hopefully for Audrey, but also for me to just realize like, oh, rarely I feel like was that quite told to me in that kind of narrative that it's okay Mm. if you don't know what you want to do. Very possibly you're going to find something to do, as this person you just quoted said, you're going to do one thing and do it as it serves you and learn how to be joyful in it. And maybe you'll move on to the, it'll be a stepping stone to the next thing, or maybe that'll become the thing. But like, it's okay if you don't know what the end goal is yet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because it sounds a little more similar to my dad who just took whatever job he could. If he needed money, he went and found a job. <laughs> and so he, he worked so many different jobs during college. And then after college, I think he pretty quickly, 
Well, he knew what he didn't want to do. Sure. <laughs> he knew sure. a few things that he didn't want to do. So he had some ideas of what he did want to do, and that kind of guided him a little bit. But yeah, he wasn't like too super specific. It's it's interesting, like the different perceptions we get. And then in, in my family, gender roles are were very oh, a big sure. thing. So there wasn't as many options held out to me as like these are plausible jobs as mm. um, maybe some other families because yeah. in my par- my parents having very like traditional mindsets of this is the kind of a job a woman does and this is the kind <laughs> of job a man does. I, I and, and I, you know, was listening to them. Their opinion mattered the most to me when I was young. And so I didn't like explore too many other jobs so and also because my dad was able to provide for me i didn't have to scrabble for jobs for any job so well this is a good transition into then let's talk about the actual mom and daughter relationship through that transition you mentioned that your your parents were like pretty vocal or at least you you held their opinion heavily mm-hmm. as you came out of college. Mm-hmm. I was sort of in this small percentage of people that did know what I wanted to do, but it was a kind of wild thing to want to do. And it was incredible of you to support me in the, a move across the country without a job. Mm-hmm. Can you name some, maybe either from the daughter or, or mother side, common fears or some like, here's a few things I know weren't helpful or something would be helpful? Mm. Well, I think as a parent... Being willing to face, like, as the daughter, if if I had understood that my parents' parameters for what I majored in in college had a lot to do with that the finances were running out that they had saved for college, oh. which they never talked to me about. And, it, I, you know, I just went blissfully with the assumption that college would be paid for. They never had to have the conversation that, well, they did tell me that certain schools were too expensive sure. when I would move to California and was applying to schools in California. They did tell me that certain schools were too expensive. And then when I was waffling about about my major and for a while I came I wanted to be a physical therapist because it involved the concept of teaching, but Mm -hmm. it involved using your body, which I loved Mm -hmm. both. And I was like, this is the marriage of both. But prior to that, I had had zero interest in science, zero interest in math. (laughs) So it seemed really uncharacteristic and out of character for me to have that interest. But it really was a really strong belief. And if if my parents had understood and were able to articulate to me, sure, you can continue pursuing your dream, but we can't afford to pay for it anymore. So you'll have to take out loans. Like that wasn't even a conversation. It was just, you need to finish college. Just choose something that where you can finish college. <laughs> so, oh, that's tricky. That's like, that's a harder message, I feel. It, it was. So I just chose. There's no context there. Yeah, I just chose to be an English major with a writing emphasis because it was the least amount of credits. And I certainly was not interested in being an elementary school teacher. So I was like, okay, this is what I'll do. I didn't, 
I, I had the most credits in the humanities. I would have even had to probably take another year if I wanted to become a business major. And I didn't have any interest in that. So right. or communications or anything. But if my parents had been able to say the money is running out for us to pay for college, yeah. if you want to continue and pursue this new interest of yours, which has never been an interest before, then you'll have to take out loans. Which we know what that probably does is speak to like a, a in in a family where hopefully like some more vulnerability on the parent side or or uh, freedom of topic is like cultivated. Yeah, that would probably have come from in an earlier stage of life. Yeah, a more cultivated familiarity between child and parent. Your parents were very much like we we are the authority. You are the child, right? Right. Yeah. Don't ask questions. We have this yeah. all figured out. And yeah. we've we've talked about through many stages of life how much more beneficial it is when a parent can be openly curious or openly doubtful mm-hmm. in relationship with their child so that you feel like you can be on the same team because it, in that then like the child feels like they have something that they are allowed to offer mm-hmm. even when it comes to something like finances later. Yeah. Yeah. So from the parent's perspective, yeah, exactly. Everything you're saying. If if you can say, hey, we, we have saved for college. We have these many resources. You can choose to go to a state school or you can get a lot of scholarship or you can just start taking out loans sooner than later. Yeah. You know, there is a lot to be said for graduating from college, like you said, without a lot of debt. Your dad graduated college oh my gosh. and we paid for his college for four years. He, he had four years worth of debt after after we got Which married. Which is minuscule compared to how much so many of my friends talk about. Right. Because having. I came into the marriage with no debt. We right. had 18 months, so a year and a half. So so he paid for, so we paid, we threw all the money we could yeah, right. to get Add rid it. of that debt. So like we paid it off probably twice as fast as he would have on his own. Yeah. Right. So yeah, there's something to be said for that. And maybe, you know, get that cheap college degree and then go to a grad school <laughs> or something like that. I mean, you're still paying, you're still getting loans if you go to grad school, most likely. Yeah. But I know, yeah, that's the way of the world right now. And there are people trying to change it. And that'll come a step at a time. But I think that, yeah, just just a comment on that from the previous comment at the beginning of the episode, the stress or the fears that I think sometimes are belittled when it comes to like a millennial's approach to college. They, they really are real. It, it feels like a big deal to to graduate full of debt with the degree that you were said that you were allowed to dream for mm-hmm. to look at a workforce where all you can do is a Trader Joe's job. And then like a yes and take the Trader Joe's job. You're going to it's going to shape you in incredible ways. It's not a bad thing. I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's what I would perceive. It's been so exciting to hear you and your sister with your jobs and the agency that you have Mm -hmm. and the what you have done within the job and yeah. how proud you are to talk about the accomplishments that you make. And we never once thought of it like a menial labor job or anything like that. It just is always like, wow, you have such great belonging and purpose yeah. and you value what you're doing so much. Right. So we're really glad for that. And we're glad that it doesn't take up so much mind space that it keeps you from thinking about the things that you want to do. And that I we know that that's a hard balancing act. That's true. That is and that is the joy. I was just telling my little sister about this the other day. She called me 2 days in to her summer job pre-college. I was like, is this all there is to working? Mm-hmm. You just go to work and then you come home and then you go to work again and you come home? <laughs> <sighs> 
I was like, first of all, that is exactly how it feels at first. Second of all, it made me think like, wow, you're two days into your job and you're already bored. You are meant for more. <laughs> and I told her like, you, you're you going to college. Like you, much more is in store for you. But in the interim, actually, that is kind of what I like about the nine to five or clock in and out, like the hourly job. It's not usually nine to five, actually. It's usually odd hours, but you leave and you don't have to think about it and mm-hmm. you have time to find out what else you want to do or get involved with society and the community or apply for the next thing. Yeah, pursue other interests. But it is a r- interesting, a rude awakening to come to. That's it. She mentioned that to me today and that is a funny, funny awakening that she came to. John Green has a good comment on it. I don't know that I'm going to be able to find the quote for the show notes. I'll try. But he talks a lot about that and he talks about how his 20s felt unbearably light which is a, he quotes another poet who uses that turn of phrase, this idea of like, we have, you have no strings attached. Isn't that lovely? But there's something a little unbearable about it because you don't have anything to share with anyone and you don't have any like close ties to people really Hmm. to share things with. Like you don't have any roots. And so belonging looks different. Hmm. And he talks about also that, that, that feeling that like in your 20s, it feels like all that adulthood is, is this like endless hamster wheel of work and Netflix and brunch. (laughs) You're like, is this really all that I have been working for? For 18 years of school and his response is no it's like there's more to it i can't really explain to you why but as a dad in his 40s with a wife and a, and like a family and roots and a, there is so much more to adulthood but you, it is one of those things that like you just have to have to, to live through it to find the deeper meaning yeah yeah that's a good point so take the first job you can get out of college it's not going to be your last job that's enjoy right. it learn from it Especially if it is more um, clock in, clock out. You don't have to think about it elsewhere. Continue to dream your dreams. Yeah, exactly. And pursue them. Continue to be creative. That's really important to cultivate your creativity. And parents, like my dad said a few weeks ago, stay in the moment too. Don't worry Mm -hmm. about the fact that this is your child's first job. It's not their only job. Yeah. Support them in this first one. It doesn't it isn't the way it used to be with one internship and then one job that you work up through and you never leave the company. Yeah. Life looks different, but that doesn't mean that a, a success is just as palpable. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And if you ch- change your major in college and you incur some debt because <laughs> you change some major, you'll that'll be all right too. You'll figure it out and you'll maybe you'll be paying debt for a while, but you'll be maybe you will have landed on what you want to do. So will the rest of the world. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Good. All right. Well, we're still not done with our career conversation. I'm proud of us for having like a long series here. (laughs) It's been helpful for me anyway. I find it interesting. Yeah. Good. So we'll keep talking about it next week. Thanks for talking, Mom. Have a good week. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. If you liked hanging out with us, please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback and your support. You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMomPodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website. Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.